0: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, guys, we have the absolutely amazing Amanda Ray comes by. Now she is a psychedelic integration coach, as well as many, 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 many other things. So uh, this is a phenomenal episode. Uh, She talks about her kicking her addiction of heroin after eight years with Ibogaine, and then now she helps folks after psychedelic experiences integrate those experiences, which is very important part of the process that not a lot of people are doing. So it's a very interesting niche that she's got, and I. I think it's very necessary. Also, she's just badass. She talks about her Kundalini awakening. And like I said, guys, you're just absolutely going to love this. So all the ways, of course, guys, to find her down in the show notes. Make sure you check that out. While you're down there checking out Amanda, um, go ahead and check out our affiliate links as well. So Food Forest Abundance, get your freedom from fear on. If you'd like to start your own podcast, I host through Libsyn. So that's the link down there. You get two months free with that bad boy. Highly, highly recommend it if you feel called to start something like that. Also, if you're going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, go ahead and run it through the show's link. It helps the show. Folks need to know that there are people out there who want to help with any type of spiritual time slips. There are so many things that people encounter out in the world that they can't explain, and not a lot of people have a resource to go to. So check out Opus. Opus is, of course, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, linked down in the show notes, guys. If you feel called to do that, absolutely wonderful wonderful resource of course Lester Velez our good friend here uh, runs that damn thing and he is just wonderful at it so I uh, check that thing out for sure as well as down there it would be our website so check out the website as well uh, it's got links to everything as well as replays of lives too hot for YouTube merch all that good stuff so okay guys that was a lot but anyway uh, now that we've gotten through that let's get to this incredible conversation with Amanda Ray
1: Get it all out.
0: <laughs> it is a beautiful day out here. We are hanging out with Amanda Ray. How are you doing today, Amanda?
1: I am doing so well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Just definitely, I said, soaking in all of this incredible energy that's hitting the planet right now and excited to share it with you.
0: My God, it's been intense, right? And you and I were kind of talking about it a little bit before we got going here, but uh, it's been interesting, Uh, definitely leveling up. Uh, What are your interpretations of the energy?
1: You know, so it's definitely, it's so interesting to see how it affects people so differently. You know, I feel like, like we talked about earlier, it's bringing up a lot of lessons and stuff. Um, But I feel like for those of us who have maybe, been able to switch our perspective of what that stuff all means and can catalyze and brings forth into our lives. As much as there's a lot of challenges, I feel like happening for everybody really on the planet. I think we're all coming more into a space where that manifestation or that clearing is happening faster so rather than having to stay stuck in these challenges for a while it's like we're, we're leveling up like you said like getting better and better at integrating them and perceiving them differently to be able to use them as like tools you know to expand so um i feel like it's you know coming from both ends of the spectrum like you know everything is in balance, uh, you know, always. And so as these intense solar energies are coming in from our sun, we're getting also like the grounding energies to balance that out. So, um, and then it's just like that process of osmosis of balancing that internally.
0: You nailed it with that. And what's interesting too about this is that, yes, the balance uh, seems to be occurring and it seems to be uh, more divisive than ever. And this is kind of what I think that they talk about when they talk about that 3D, 5D split thing, is that it's going to get more intently divided vibrationally. What do you, is that kind of where you're reading it as totally, well?
1: Totally. I know what you mean. Yeah. Where it's like, like, I, like the way that I was shown it too was like, like these two dimensions always existed within one another, you know? Um, but like you said, because of, how intense they're getting, and our ability to just see and perceive, we're not actually actually dividing but we are noticing the division or the difference more you know what i mean like we're actually coming closer together which is i I think what is making it so energetically at least you know these two dimensions if you will are sitting on top of each other like leather and lace you know just getting sewn together um and like i said they always existed but now our 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 ability to perceive them and it's so interesting um you know we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier about like literally living in our like different universes not all in the same place as much as they are coinciding on top of one another And there's been so many crazy experiences that i've had that has like shown me that right in front of my face like you can't ignore this or deny this and so yeah i think i think that's a lot of what like the awakening process is all about is is seeing how malleable our reality is and that we do live in separate little universes
0: Consensus reality. I've talked about this. You nailed it. Uh, this is this is definitely something that we talk about here and it becomes more interesting and more evident. But yeah, it seems like the veil here, if you want to call it that, uh, the illusionary illusory boundary is kind of thinning quite a bit. And it's fascinating. And it seems like people who I'm, I'm just going to say that are open minded uh, to the direction that we are, where we're at least open enough to look at it. We're having a challenging time, but because it's so intense and it's like, oh, this like now, now's our time. We're like ready for it. But the people who are in the lower vibrational states, let's just say that uh, for the sake of the term, and then also uh, just kind of very, I'll say wooed by the matrix you know yeah uh, those yep. folks are having a really tough time with this it's looking like utter chaos like everything's falling apart and uh maybe we can see that everything's falling apart air quotes for the audio online listeners but it seems like it's really uh that's how things need to occur to who reassemble in the best way possible totally
1: totally yeah it's definitely um i it, it makes me a lot more compassionate for the people who are, like you said, really wooed by the matrix, because I can, I can, uh, I can imagine for sure, you know what it would feel like if I did pay attention to all this and I let all of this affect my reality. The state of fear and hopelessness that I would feel, and so um, you know, and and it made me so grateful to have such. Um, such a different experience my whole life. You know, I, like, I can honestly say, like, and I thought about it, you know, a lot. I don't know if there was a time where I was ever asleep. I think I was just unaware of what was happening until I was able to give it words later on in my life, which would have been, you know, the last eight years or so. And it was terrifying and it was lonely. And, um, you know, so, uh, yeah. So, you know, and it caused me, I was very suicidal. I was, you know, that's, I, you know, led, it led me to addiction. Um, and I always struggled with trying to understand like, am I real or am I not real? And they like, you know, I always felt like I was on like the other side of this mirror. And like, so, you know, while all of this chaos happened, especially like, you know, beginning like 2020, especially, made me be like, okay, this is scary stuff to talk about, but there's gotta be other people that are experiencing the same thing. You know, i I'd, I'd been practicing spirituality and doing kind of my own thing, um, you know, for a while at that point. But that's what really made me be like, okay, I like I've got some stuff, I've got some stuff to share. And I don't care if only one person resonates to it, like if they're gonna be able to know that like they're not alone or losing their mind either, then like worth it. <laughs>
0: You know, that is exactly what's been going on. And uh, the metaphor that I will use at this time would be like crocheting. OK, for like uh, like if I were to tell people, hey, I crochet, you know, generally in in like I said, Matrix, uh, those wooed by the Matrix, it, it's kind of a stigma, right? It's it's one of those things that's a little um, not uh, character, characterly characteristic of a male. OK, but totally, what it feels yeah. like is the analogy that I would use in this whole waking up thing is that everyone's been crocheting this entire time, but yes. uh, no one was telling each other about it. And finally, somebody came out and said, check out this blanket. I made it super dope and now everybody's showing each other their projects. You know, it's like, oh, you've been working on this too? Oh, you've been working on yourself too? You've been doing the shadow work? You quit drinking? You know, you're doing all these improvements thing for yourself and you've been doing it in the back, but now it's a community of people who are out there saying, you know what, we're all doing this, let's roll with it. And it's way more reinforcing for those that maybe weren't crocheting, to stick with the metaphor, that they were interested in it, but they never thought that they... Could be somebody who could venture down that road. Totally. So it, it's just an odd thing energetically, but I absolutely love it. And I'm right there with you. We talk a lot on the show about how uh, the shift is happening and what that what that entails and what we're kind of seeing, and it's it's affecting all of us, which is wonderful. Some of us were very very excited about it. And yeah. for some folks, it's very, very scary. And you yeah. you help with this. So I'd I'd like to talk about your psychedelic integration coaching, your harmony. I am. So uh tell us how you help people embrace lasting change and a balanced life.
1: Absolutely. Okay. So this is um, so my passion, um, especially following my experience. So I was I was addicted to heroin for eight years, but that is like that is the last symptom to manifest of of what I previously discussed about feeling like I lived on the other side of this mirror, feeling really alone, not understanding what was happening to me. Um, <clears throat> so heroin was, it was something that when I found it made all of the craziness kind of cease. It also was like this sense of safety that I had not ever felt. And so I can understand and really just through my experience, you know, see essentially with addicts just like angels with their wings bound and who have been told that things that they are going through or you know or you know just being traumatized or neglected or just misunderstood and you know and on the on the same note you know when you take away any sort of substance from that looking at how we all have certain addictions or attachments you know i feel very blessed that mine showed up in a way That I could not ignore long. I couldn't blame other people for long. You know, I I had no choice but to be like, this is me. How am I like, you know, what am I going to do to save myself? You know, Um, where a lot of people who are who are more attached to things that are socially acceptable, um, really. Uh, just it won't necessarily take that time to look at themselves because it's acceptable. Right. So, um, so that being said, my path to recovery was very untraditional. Um, I use a plant medicine called Ibogaine um, and I have also used and sat in medicine circles since then, but that was really the catalyst. Um, and the biggest thing is after my experience, um, I was very fortunate that it helped me to, trust this voice like I said that had been guiding me that I would push away um, but for the most part after my experience and for most begin experiences um, thus far they give you the medicine and they serve you the medicine and they do not teach you how to integrate this medicine into your life. I find this to be the case with many plant medicines, ayahuasca ceremonies, samping, like DM. I mean whatever, whatever the ceremony is there's so, ma- so many people that will just just deliver the medicine and then you are left to figure out what to do with it which is why i think we've all come in contact with some people who are like you know i have done ayahuasca this many times and yada 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 but they're still judging everybody and everything and and um so i, I you know i i thought initially i was going to feel called to 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 serve medicine but as time went on after my experience, not having anywhere to turn, I had nobody to talk to. I, I, you know, and I was I was not only, you know, a heroin addict for eight years. They said, this is my, a lifetime of stuff. And now I'm supposed to just be somebody different. You know, I mean it's, it's essentially a a self-administered ego death, you know, like you lose your identity entirely. Um, and so for me, I struggled so much in the beginning, valuable, valuable time after this medicine, um, trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And, um, and I would say it was probably about three months after my experience, um, wildly enough, I watched a documentary called the hidden teachings of Jesus Christ. And, um, I, at the time considered myself to be a disciple of Christ. He's like my favorite teacher. That's my buddy. That's my homeboy. Um, but I, I didn't really resonate with Christianity. Um, and so this, the little documentary thing, like, it was like truth was spoken to me for the first time. Some light went on. It was all essentially how the Bible, it breaks down the metaphors into like interpreting it into meditation and and yada yada and and it was like said something woke up inside of me that was like this is truth I know this like I know this from before um, and really started to get into meditation was kind of the first step and learned all of these different techniques throughout the last eight years. Um, Some of them that I practice often and are really like work for me and others that I knew I was just learning to be able to teach other people. So essentially what I created um, is currently right now it's virtual coaching. The goal is to eventually one day have an actual space that is specifically created for people to come and integrate these crazy experiences into their lives, um, so I use a couple of different techniques and method. I it's very personal you know and that's where i think current addiction and recovery treatment um not even just even mental health treatment is so one size fits all like this is the mold i would it, i would there i there's that medical book that everybody i forget it's that then the master medical book whatever that like the cm5 or the so, something like that but they all just go based on like this is the criteria and and it's it, it just just can't it can't work like that. It's such a personal experience. So um, there's certain things like meditation and, and breathing, of course, that are you know to me I think crucial for anybody. And when I say meditation, I use that really loosely in the terms of like how you meditate. Is going to be different than how I meditate. Some people meditate at the gym. Some people meditate where they're, where they're fishing or, you know, going for a hike. So it doesn't. It's not always just um, you know, sitting there and and doing that as much as I love like transcendental meditation too. But I really just try to work with the people after the experience to try to figure out. Essentially, the biggest thing is how to listen to their intuition. What are they supposed to be listening to? We all, you know, I really like to use human design for this to try to get a better idea of um, how this specific person's blueprint is meant to function and trying to um, really just help them, like I said, at the best I can to bring this medicine and this new awarenesses into their physical reality and body, because knowledge is a rumor until your body knows it, you know? So um, yeah. So like I said, that's, a, that's essentially um, how I go about doing that. And then um, I do uh, you know, I, I, am also, I'm a medium in a, in a channel and I was doing that for a while. Uh, but I, I recognize that I like to use my, specific, you know, extra senses and six senses to help guide people to opening up to their six senses versus I don't want to be anybody's guru. I like, I like we are teammates, we're teammates, you know? And um so I was I was starting to not like how that felt because people would come to me and they'd kind of treat me like I was in some space that they're not in yet. And you know, and I see a lot of people these days who are very addicted to psychic telling them how, you know, what to listen to, who they can trust, whatever the thing is. And, um, so, yeah, so, uh, it's been a really cool experience the last year, really fine tuning, um, and specifically setting my focus on, you know, psychedelic integration, um, also Kundalini integration. I do have some people who I, um, you know, work with who have also had a Kundalini experience, which is, I think I've only got, like, I've got two people that I've ever met that, like, had an had as intensive an experience as I did. So we kind of are teammates on that, too, working together to try to figure out how to integrate this madness, you know, which will happen over periods of time. But, yeah.
0: It's remarkable. Just remarkable. Uh, something that you said to the Christ consciousness thing. I mean, that's, that's what he was talking about. You will be more powerful than I ever am. And so you've nailed this with this. And I would love that you have that humility and understanding, because that's... That shows that you're really out to help people, which is awesome. Yes, thank I, so you. So I'm curious about uh, what brought you to Ibogaine, but also do you mind just explaining what that is for the audience?
1: Totally. Yeah, fair question. So much so. Okay, so first, um, so Ibogaine is a shrub. It's found in West Africa. It has been used in um, African tribes and cultures as a rite of passage, um, as well as a healer plant. Um, but I did get to meet a really beautiful soul whose, whose tribe used it as a rite of passage. And it's so interesting how it affected him versus how it affects, um, you know, addicts. So um so for him, they were dancing on the fire and having a good time. Now, for people, um especially in Western culture um in general, um, who are experiencing mental health addiction, it is specifically known for because of its ability to help you overcome withdrawal in that in that 24 hour period of time. So rather than Experiencing withdrawal over a period of time or having to take maintenance medicine, essentially, and you can feel it. This medicine it just kind of morphs your cells in a way that literally uh, eliminates the withdrawal process. Um, but it is very similar, I would say, if you want to compare it to anything, would be ayahuasca. However, I've never really experienced a medicine that's quite like this because everything is very internal, um, it is definitely used on an energetic and spiritual level to help you face traumas, be it in this life or past lives, um, really clearing your root and sacral, um, which are the things that tend to be in the driver's seat until we become aware of them and are in contact with them and, and, you know, make a lot of our decisions. So I Ibogaine is really helpful for anybody, honestly, who is open, who just knows that there's more to life or doesn't feel like they're in the driver's seat, you know, and doesn't know necessarily what to do next. Like I said, I will call it like kind of like a self-induced, um, ego death. Um, but essentially, so there is Iboga, which is the root. Now Ibogaine is a synthesized, more powerful version of it. Right. Um, it is highly illegal in the U S. Um, and I do believe that's because of its ability to heal, a multitude of diseases. I mean, even physical symptoms. I've had somebody that I coached that went was only addicted to opiates because of chronic pain, you know. And when she went to go do ibogaine, she left not only not addicted to opiates, but not in pain anymore. So, um, so it's. I mean, it, it. I really, honestly, wouldn't put it past this medicine to heal. You know, a lot of different things. So, essentially, right now there are places all over the world that do use this as a tool to heal. I specifically work with the retreat in Mexico in Cancun. And then how did I get on? Okay, that's the second question. All right, two-parter. So my journey to Ibogaine, I was very fortunate um, to, like I had heard about it for years. Um, In my state, there was no way I was ever going to be able to afford anything like that. So, and how do you come to your parents and be like, hi, there's this really powerful psychedelic in Mexico. (laughs) Like, can I go use it? Um, So I knew about it for about two years and was definitely in that period of time. Calling it to myself. I didn't realize I was manifesting at the time, but kept on calling it to me. Somehow my parents ended up hearing about it from a friend. And um, honestly, they offered it to me. And I will tell you at that point, I said it'd been two years later at this point, I was so hopeless I was like, whatever. Like, I, I honestly, I I can't even say it was my last hope. I was doing it because I wanted them to know that if my addiction took me out, I tried everything possible, you know? So, um, and I had no idea, (laughs) I had no idea the changes that were about to take place afterwards. Um, and then how that change would also directly affect my family as a result of them being open to this experience.
0: Uh, now I'm just curious about this. Uh, so what was that like you, when you went to go undertake the experience, when you came back, what, what, mm-hmm. were, how did things change for you?
1: Okay. So, and this is, this is the interesting part. And what I try to warn people all of the time about uh, is that you're going to face some stuff, right? Like I said, it was so funny. The difference in the, in the tribe, who's dancing around and having a good time. Um, I was so angry afterwards, <laughs> even though like, Oh, there's like so many things happening at one time. I was angry because I was like, well, I, now I, I can't, I can't now. Like, and what do I do with that? And, and I too, my experience was really, um, divine timing in the sense that literally there's usually always people at the treatment centers. And I just happened to go at a time where there was nobody else there. I was terrified of being alone at the time. That was not, not so, you know, I was, I was wrestling with that. It was a long time ago too. So we couldn't communicate with, you know, people back home as easily. So um, yeah, it was, it was intense. It stays intense, you know, for, as, well, it depends on if you got a coach or not. Right. Like I definitely help ease that experience. So, and, but a lot of people that I coach have that similar experience, you know, the day or two afterwards, they're, they're kind of angry and dealing with that. But the first, the first time I knew how much this medicine changed me was flying home a few days later. Um, I was terrified of flying at that point in time, like had to like knock myself out and I got on this plane and it was turbulent and I didn't flinch. There was no, and I was like, oh shit, like something, something happened. Um, and like I said, I definitely, I struggled for a good three months trying to learn who, what I was supposed to do next, how I was supposed to take all of this information. I knew now that I had served a purpose. I knew now that like, I, it was like, I had no fear of death or loss or, you know, um, all of these things that used to make my decisions for me, essentially, you know? So, um, so that was the challenging space was like, now, now what do I listen to? Um, You know, but it was, It was really cool watching my family at the same time open up to kind of all this spiritual stuff as they're watching me change and kind of can't deny it. And I mean, we are closer now than I could have ever even. I mean, it's like I'm the one they come to for advice too, and we're like best friends. It's you know, so it's like I said that that all I I attribute all of that to. Yeah, that experience with them, and it, it really helped me to essentially open up to my power. That was the thing that I was so afraid of, right? That was the thing that was scaring me my whole life as I was witnessing my power, but and not understanding what I was witnessing. And, And so it gave me the opportunity to kind of be more like, all right, what can I really do with this? Like, I'm in a body like, what? this is crazy. Like, what are the possibilities, you know, rather having rather than having that be a fearful experience.
0: Yeah. Before, when you said when you had your experience that you no longer you're no longer able to and then you stop the sentence, what I interpreted from that is that you're no longer able to use your addiction as an excuse for your identity. Is that what you meant by that?
1: totally yes yeah okay. i was like yes exactly i was like that's such a hard thing to put into words i was like I- i'm no longer i'm not going to get the satisfaction from it i'm not going to be able to run with it i'm not going to be able to use it as an excuse i'm not all of the things that this was i just once you know something you can't not know it and i was like oh that was that was my go-to man to not have to try or you know and and to be addicted to my anger
0: but I, I uh, love the way that you put it, though, because also, yes, a lot of people say this about like their power to exactly what you were just saying and said some people know that they're extremely powerful, but they'll dull it on purpose because they're scared yeah. of their own power and they don't feel that they live in a world that's conducive or reciprocating of that in a positive way. Uh, it, yeah. And so that's the, but it's wonderful now that you've realized that that's number one, what it was, number two, how to fix it, number three, that you're helping others get out of that. So uh, the next question, I guess, just is how do you? How does someone know that, uh, plant medicine is the path for their cure to addiction?
1: Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, I would say one of the biggest things is in how they resonate with traditional recovery. So I'm, I'm very clear cognizant and I, I just have knowings about things and I know things that I know and I can't tell myself that I don't know them. So one of the things that I noticed being in traditional treatment centers, was being told about how malfunctioning I am and this disease. And I was like, no, no, I know. I don't, I just don't believe you. And so being told that like, this was the only way. And not only that, like there's 5% chance that I'm going to make it anyways. And you know, they, and they drill that into your head at treatment centers. Like, you know, they're like, look to your left, look to your right. Only one of you is going to make it like that fear Is somehow going to make me believe that I'm the one that's worth saving.
0: You know, that's what they say to the Navy SEALs when they start. You know what I mean? So it's totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it was like, so that was like the biggest thing to me is I had this knowing and I had to follow it. And so I know a lot of people that traditional recovery works for them and they are kicking ass and taking names. And I'm like, do it like get on it. I think the 12 steps are an amazing way to live our lives. Um, and and they're definitely, um, you know, about taking, you know, when people are able to I think. It's kind of like how they get how it gets interpreted a lot of times, kind of like the Bible, like anything. You know what I mean? I think when you go back to the roots, I was very fortunate when I was in traditional recovery to be friends with all the elders. All of the people that I was friends with in recovery had been clean since Bill W. was around. And so fortunately, they really helped me to understand that too. Once upon a time, AA and NA used to be about meditation. Like they used to start every meeting and end every meeting with the group meditation. Some meetings were just meditation, but that was a staple, you know? So, um, so like I said, I got really lucky in in that group of people, but I would definitely say if you don't resonate and if, if, if the thought of living in traditional recovery sounds worse than dying from the disease, then, you might want to explore some other options and just know that you
0: have other options. Cause that's where I was at. That's a fantastic way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. The 12 steps are interesting. It was interesting to hear you say that in my mind, my interpretation of them is that they're very, they take your power away and they make you feel like you're very, very small and that you can't help yourself. Totally. Uh, and perhaps some people need to hear that when they're in the mode of maybe they feel like they can't and they, kind of just need the jesus take the wheel kind of concept you know uh and that's fine um b- because perhaps outside of that and after that uh is where they really gain the information and knowledge and confidence to realize that they are a sovereign being and that they actually you know one of those things it was in you the whole time you know you had it 100 percent,
1: 100 percent. and i think that that you know and i and i i could not agree more one of my biggest things i say is like um I don't really go to meetings, but if I were to, I never say, my name is Amanda and I'm an addict. I say, my name is Amanda and I have a desire not to use today.
0: That, that right there. It's the constant reaffirmation because there are people, I I was talking to my father-in-law about this the other day. There are people who've quit drinking 30 years ago and they say, I'm an addict, but they're 30 years. So you haven't been an addict since the last time it mattered. You know what I mean? Yes.
1: Yes. It's yes. interesting
0: to me that. That is headspace. my biggest
1: problem. My biggest problem is is that and then also like you said the giving your power away. Like I said once upon a time from what I hear like I said from the elders that's not what it was. It what you know like you said the the it was more about humbling. You know when when we're in active addiction we can be very selfish and so to to recognize that there is a power greater than you that could restore you to sanity is like opening up to that to that faith. But you know what's happened throughout the years is it has turned into not only can I make my own decisions, I'm going to give my decisions to my sponsor who is also an addict, but knows better about what I should be doing than I know because I'm an, you know, and I said, and it's just gotten really, they call it microwave recovery, you know? And like I said, it's kind of like how it's all been interpreted wrong. Um, Not wrong, just differently. It's been turned into a little more cultive personality of a, of a thing, if you will, um, you know, uh, which like I said is sad because the basis, the building blocks, the principles, what Bill W first set out to do and, and the purpose of it, you know, about humbling yourself, uh, recognizing your mistakes, but then also the traumas you've been through sharing that with another human being so that you know, you're not alone. And like, you know, and it's okay to talk about this and then being of service, you know, apologizing and taking responsibility for yourself. And then, yeah, like I said, again, sharing that with other addicts, like that's such a beautiful thing, but the way that it's just been taken like most beautiful things, you know, it's gotta have it its moment where, you know, we also recognize that when taken too far, it can have the opposite Effect
0: completely agree, and I think that also, even step programs like this are programs to get people off of substances that they got you addicted to in the first place because that's how this place works. I think it's interesting that even in that, your recovery is centered around a low vibrational you have to give your power away. So, what's interesting about what you said, and I agree with this, is that their model is for you to turn yourself over to a higher power. Now, what's interesting is by doing that. You hopefully can get to the point to where you realize that you're the higher power that they were talking about the whole time. But they weren't referencing you. They were referencing the fact that you should still feel in this low vibe thing. And so even in your recovery, they hijack you back into the state that they want you to be in anyway, which is this low vibe thing. So it's really cool to see that you recognize this, number one. Number two, you've been through it. So you have this whole hero's journey thing going with this already. You're someone that people can say, why should I listen to you? And you're like, well here you go. Here's why I've done this shit, you know, I've been there, got the t Yeah. And uh, so it is, it, I just think what you're doing is wonderful. Um, Thank you. So something I am curious about that I'd uh, seen on your media kit for us to talk about that I'm very curious about is the definition of addiction to you. So what's your philosophy of addiction?
1: So I view addiction, I've, I've replaced that word with attachment, like I said, and I I believe that Essentially, I mean, like I said, okay, if we look at the population's addiction to their phones, right, which we can openly use the word addiction when it comes to people's phones, and people would admit and know that they're addicted to their phones. However, that's somehow supposed to be different than my brain, who was once upon a time addicted to heroin, right? And there's differences in addictions too. Obviously, there's physical addiction, and a lot of times I might still use the word. Addiction when it comes to physical addiction, because there are people who've been prescribed to opiates that don't want them aren't trying to escape themselves, but physically become addicted. Right. To me, that's what addiction is. But then there's attachment and that's a mental thing. And and the thing that you give your power away to. Um, I believe that we are taught that it is a disease and a terminal one. Um, Yeah. A terminal one at that is because the thing to me. From look, uh, looking at it from a further perspective is what separates people who get addicted to especially like really hardcore drugs versus their cell phones or maybe equally their cell phones. But is fear. That's that. like I, so many people I that talk to me that have never done drugs are just curious, you know, like it's not that they, you know, even think it's gross or whatever it's they are they'd be afraid to get addicted they'd be afraid to break the law they'd be afraid like i don't know i don't know you know it's it's fear of the experience that keeps people from trying new experiences right where i feel like people who end up getting addicted to especially hardcore drugs i can you know say for myself and people that i work with it's we've already been through hell You know, we've already like been through the trauma, been through the stuff. I personally, my first time using heroin was a straight up suicide attempt. I had just been through just a couple awful experiences all on top of each other. I had somebody who offered it to me in my mind. I was like, this thing is either going to get me high or it's going to kill me. And I'm cool with either one, you know, so, um, and yeah and so that's the thing is recognizing that there is years of my life where heroin was the only thing keeping me alive yes was it russian roulette and i could have died at any time and it's it's recognizing that for so many people what keeps us in this active addiction state is the shame and the stigma um, and it just becomes a shame cycle, where as if we can recognize that anything in our life, while it's in our life, is serving us. If it wasn't serving you, it wouldn't be in your life. And that shift of perspective, right there, making this be an attachment versus something malfunctioning, my genetics, my, you know, I, like, and and this, I'm never going to go back to being normal. This is something I have to struggle and wrestle with my whole life. You know, having that mentality keeps people running from it you know and so my my whole thing with addiction is we're taught that it's a disease because i think addicts are the most imaginative creative sensitive just psychically gifted beings um and we we are really made to feel like all of those things are actually curses and there's something wrong with us. And so our streets and our population are flooded with things, especially like opiates. Cause I do believe that's all manufactured to how the opiate epidemic came about when it came about all of all, all of it, you know? So, and I believe, you know, that's specifically why, because I, that's what woke me up to my psychic gifts was getting to the other side of that. And I do just like feel Like everybody so far, at least that I have worked with has had very similar experiences once they get to that other side that they realize that they're just super, super gifted psychics and mediums and healers.
0: Man, that's such an interesting point you make it that addicts are addicts to dull themselves, not only because their power is so great, but because they live in a world that says that it's horrible and evil and they should feel like like a piece of shit for having it or anything like that. That's interesting. So I think you've hit on it there with the, the root of addiction uh, because it's just like you said, it's the last symptom. It's, it was something you know that, that could have been brought to your attention in other ways and probably was. Right. It just wasn't recognized by you. And so you go into that and it's just uh, kind of like that whole idea that, like schizophrenics and mental issues are really sort of like a negative entity attachment or something like they're dialed to 11, you know, in autism and things, there's just so many misunderstandings. And I think the more that the truth comes out of the veils thin, like what we're talking about, I I, I think these things that get framed in a new light and they're very, very interesting.
1: Yes, I totally agree. I totally agree. Same thing with schizophrenia. Yeah. I've had a lot of downloads and experiences with that. I, I worked with, um, I, I, I do ABA too. I'm just really passionate about working with autistic youth. And I think that there's a correlation there too of them like being in two different dimensions. And so it's, it's uh yeah, really fun to do, but I've yeah, had experiences too with, I, I swear this girl who's diagnosed autism and schizophrenic would channel just dark. I mean, she, her voice would change. It would take like five grown men to get this girl down. Like, and I was like, are you guys not seeing the same thing that I've seen? I was yeah. like, this is not just, schizophrenia
0: (laughs) yeah this is not that no Um, that's not happening so what what are your thoughts on that
1: so i definitely i think it's different for everybody i agree with you um so what i have learned especially having such a, a darker path if you will um right i've got a lot of dark goddess energy um so Having that be the case, while I do believe in certain things like like entity attachment um, and having dark entities with us, I think it's very important for us to recognize that they are here and attached to us to protect us. That they're not coming to take over your body and spread evil. They, it's it's just like it's like our our own self doubt mechanism too, right? That part of us that self doubts is the one that has maybe felt like it lost love or been hurt in the past by an action or a thing that you did. So when you, it sees you doing the thing again, it's going to tell you don't do that and make you doubt yourself because it's, it's afraid of not getting love again. Right. And so to me, I see it as kind of like the same thing is um, and I know, especially feeling that as I, as I grew up with these gifts um, and not being able to express them, there were times in my, my mom almost had me exercise, you know, like it was like, yeah, but I knew, but that this entity that was with me stepped in when I was being taken advantage of when I, when I felt too strongly and my poor little sensitive soul was like just about to rip in half. And, and so when we can honor and recognize the purpose that these entities and these beings are playing for us and with us, then that we're able to let them go. That's when, because we get to say thank you, we get to take our power back and be like, I, thank you, thank you for protecting me. I don't need your protection now. I see it now. I see what you're trying to protect me from. I've got us, like, you know, I'm gonna make sure that stuff doesn't happen to us again. And when we can learn how to work with them in that capacity, we, we aren't afraid of when we experience it in other people. And it's no longer I could face somebody else's demon and just look at them straight in the face and be like, I fucking love you. Like, you know, and and watch them just melt away because that's all they're looking for, too. So I do strongly feel like that is what's happening. But I feel like I, I see it in a way that's not as spiritual warfare
0: You know, War fairy. I like that. Yeah, (laughs) There was a young lady I had on the show named uh, Serena Faith Masterson, and she wrote a book, I Am Serena. She had over 133 multiple personalities, MKUltra background, incredible story. But what what, uh, this makes me think about what we're talking about now is multiples, multiple personalities, where you fracture based on uh, traumatic experiences, and you compartmentalize these identities to deal with it, basically. And so it's interesting what you said about the spirit possession and how it can be used because, again, back to what you said earlier, if it, it would be here unless it was necessary in serving you until it no longer serves you. And that's when it's, yeah, you say, thanks for the help. It's time to bounce. I, you know, and what's interesting about this, too, is that it's, it, it is, it's It's almost like a guardian that steps into, that appears negative, but it's actually because you're, this individual perhaps has so much to give this place that they're under attack from other things that would be way worse if they were to take over, right? Uh, what is one of those things that's like having a parasite that's good for you, you know? Yeah. Um, it helps you lose weight, all that good stuff. Like some people yep. want a tapeworm, right? Uh, right. <laughs> so it, it's interesting that these things uh, play such a massive role here and that, It seems again, I mean, and the more that I look into it, things like addiction, things like uh, mental diagnoses, they just seem to be inversions of what's really going on. And it seems like I don't know. I mean, this is getting too conspiritual here, but uh, it seems like the people in power kind of know that and they kind of hijack it to keep it in this lower vibrational state. But the good news is it's all you anyway, right? And so our whole job is here is to kind of wake ourselves up from ourselves, you know, kind of a
1: thing. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And like, I, and I agree that Like, I, I try so hard not to get caught up in the, the conspiritualism. I like that, that you just call it that. Because there is, there is that aspect of like, yeah, like so much of it was manufactured. I mean, if you look at you look into the industry of mental health in general and psychiatry, how it was created, when it was created and the purpose that it served. And, and you know, and I do believe that that there are higher beings, not even I mean, higher than just like government officials. I'm talking about, you know, like that's the actual beings of the planet right that are aware um what is truly going on with us and they don't want us to know but it is slowly coming out and i believe a lot of that is is honestly in a lot of ways i was thinking about that today in some ways for our own protection like if we were to and i can tell you even just from my kundalini experience have that mindgasm awareness of everything all at one time it's traumatic as fuck. Like, you know, it like, like, Oh my, Oh my goodness. You know, I couldn't speak for six months. Um, so, you know, and, I think that in so many ways that's why it's slowly being leaked and I I try to look at it that way versus being kept from me now because like you said it's all me anyways and this is all just a play and a drama that's playing out and you know so when you can just become like more entertained and interested and curious about what's happening and how other people wake up what does that look like for you what was the thing for you then it gets like a lot easier to not like it's like, again, like I said, I don't like to play into the spiritual war fairy thing. Do I believe that there are beings that, you know, are whose purpose, whose purpose here is to try and distract us, whose purpose here is to play the villain or whatever? Yeah, 100%. But like, that's also their role and purpose. So again, that's all source. That's all God. That's all spirit. And that's all me, especially within my own little reality here
0: could not agree more. Uh, what was it that got you to that understanding or where you feel comfortable saying that so confidently?
1: Yeah, 100%. I would say that definitely the Kundalini um, experience that I had showed it all to me. Um, and I feel like in a lot of ways... That is one thing that I always had hoped, right? So, like I said, being a medium and gifted and in tune growing up, I tapped into a lot of darkness. Like I have a lot of dark goddess aspects. Things that I prophesized were death. Things that I, like, so um, I thought I was evil, Like, like, even though I'm literally the most loving, like sensitive, like, but I was like, I must be evil because this is what I'm experiencing. So I think it's in a way it was always what I had hoped was the, the case. And so I think it was my kundalini experience in general and being able to see it and feel it and experience it from this higher perspective that helped me to know it like in my in my body you know and there was still a process afterwards um because with that experience with that energy surging through you you get faced with traumas and things and cellular memories right internally it's not just like this bliss experience That now cool i'm activated and like it's like just you know hop in and out of reality so it's not like that at all you know it it surges through you and and you have to face The things that it cleared in your physical reality so um you know so it definitely got like a little scary for a few years all of that dark stuff had to come to the surface for me to actually acknowledge it and and see its purpose and working with me um but that was probably when I was actually able to know it without going back does that make the without the forgetting part 100%
0: 100% it makes complete sense and I love what you said about things not unlocked yet uh, we hear this with people who do hypnotic regressions like there's some folks that will do a hypnotic regression but there's a block there's a barrier there also with uh, remote viewers there's like a barrier that all of them say that they come to a certain time and they can't see beyond that now this this is interesting to me um, but also it's very interesting because I've said this before audience be patient this is a great example and it just keeps popping back up so in the movie The Matrix when Neo goes to see the Oracle she tells him that he's not the one even Though he is the one, but he needs to hear he's not the one at the time so that he can go be the one. Yeah. This whole idea of withholding this stuff, uh, in a way that it's the most necessary. Like you said, if it was a big flood like your Kundalini Awakening, which you want to get to, then it does seem like here, it's like a video game. And once you reach a certain level, you unlock yes. like this new sword. And now you can yes. run around with this new sword and it's super dope. And you're like, Man, I would have loved to have this sword a few levels back. But really, you needed to earn that sword, and now it's necessary. It wasn't before; it would have made things too easy. All of this good stuff. Totally. The more, the more that I look at this place like this, and the more that I see the things around in this way, the more not only does it make such great fucking sense, but it's all perfect. Like I, I don't know. There are things that I wish weren't here, or like ways in which that this place presents lessons that we didn't have to learn that way. Right. But I'll be damned if like it's perfect because there is so much. Crap here, but everyone learns in a different style. Again, I really think it's the way the lessons have to be received, are why they present themselves in the way that they do. Right.
1: 100 million percent. And that's why I'm always like, who am I to say? You know, that's the funny exactly. thing about everybody and their two cents of how to run the world and, you know, what everybody's doing, what all the other officials are. I'm like, listen, who the hell am I to say? Like, you know, I've got some ideas. I know some things I would do differently, you know, but like, I'm also not in that position. I don't know the ins and outs. I know the tip of the iceberg when it comes to any
0: of that stuff. Yeah. And it's kind of like time travel. It's kind of like um if you go do anything, I remember. Someone talking about the show. I never watched it. The Flash, the the show on TV or whatever. Oh, um,
1: okay. Right. I've heard of it. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, uh, allegedly, he just kept going back in time and changing things and just screwing everything up. So the entire show is basically him like going through time, screwing things up and then attempting to change and fix them, but <laughs> yeah, screwing right, right. them up worse. So it does feel like this. It's, it's like this place has to be like this. Otherwise, it wouldn't be received in the way that it needs to be. It's just 100%. interesting. And again, the more I look at it, the more perfect it is because I would like you know, uh, child atrocities and cancer and things like that to be gone, but who knows what kind of purpose they serve, you know? And if time travelers are real, and time travel's like a thing, and you can go affect things, well, then no one went and killed Hitler. I mean, he must have served some purpose other than, you know, there must have been something way worse, you know what I mean?
1: 100%. It's it's
0: odd to wrap your mind around, and it does definitely take a level of cognizance to get there. It's not, like, first-day shit, you know what I mean? And I'll let you know when I figure it out. I find that it's very inviting and way more exciting to view it this way, and that's when, honestly, like, a lot of the, like, why me's and whatever's they melted away. It was just like, oh, okay, got it. It's I'm just here to yes. do what what I'm here to do. Yes. Um, so let's talk about your Kundalini experience. So I'm very, right. very curious what you guys.
1: Yeah. This was a fun one. Um so and I got because my biggest thing too is I get asked like how? How did how do I do it? How can you do it? And I'm gonna tell you the biggest thing is not trying. Like it was it's it's effortless. Um and I, uh, so it was, let's see. it happened about two years after my I began experience. So I was about sixteen months into a really deep meditation journey. like i it became my new addiction. um at the time i I needed to meditate like four hours a day. and I was just in. Blissed out cloud nine, that pink cloud of spiritual ego that we all like land on at some point. Um, So I was there. I was in it. Um, And I had never I'm not much. I'm not really much of a researcher. I'm really clear cognizant. And there's few people that I kind of like resonate with as far as like teachers, like Matt Conn would be one of them. Um, Wim Hof is like my hero, but other than that, like all of this stuff was just coming to me from meditations that I was doing. Um, and I was, I was, li- I was led to start putting on like Kundalini self-edged frequencies and music that like I had, I was inviting this energy and having no idea what it was. I had no idea. I wasn't led to research. It. I'm glad I didn't because I wouldn't end up, I wouldn't have done it. But um, so I just like, you know, like I, said, I was just inviting this energy in. Uh, honestly, for me, it was the silly twin flame journey thing that really uh, was a big trigger for it. I was very attached to that concept and. Um, and I had a friend um, that I'd known for 10 years uh, invite me to go work at his pot farm in California. And there are so many synchronicities and crazy stuff leading up to it. And, and so I got there and, um, and yeah, there was all that, you know, between card readings, all these signs that we're twin flames. And so I am just even more just like building and bubbling up this cauldron of just, you know, crazy energy. Um, So what had happened was to make a long story kind of short is we were in San Francisco. Um, Now we took acid the day before we were not on acid that day. We took acid the day before and we were given some sort of mission. I don't remember how we were given this mission, but it was about like, finding a, a code like like and it was like more like sounds okay and um and it was like what it was like what my my soul name was but it, it it's like so yeah so I don't remember how we were like you know giving this message whatever but we we're like kids playing you know just in our inner children full force we run around San Francisco not thinking much of it and went back to tell our friend like oh we found it like you know, Amanda's spirit name. It's like this code. And he's like, Oh, what is it? And then my partner at the time, well, the, the twin flame uh, one said this code and whether or not this was it or not, I don't know. Um, but all of a sudden I, it, I, for me, it came up from my crown and went down, but then they met each other, but it started with this liquid feeling light, just, just pouring over me. And I, had the most intense orgasm that I can only call an orgasm because it's the only like relatable thing within our reality. That was, I could feel it outside of my body though too. And everything was like my whole eye. Yeah. And I was just bawling. And it was like the first time where I got to see everything come together. And it was like, I was seeing everything past, present and future all at one time. And I'm just bawling and bawling. And the guy that I thought was my twin flame at the time, um, started to get very jealous feeling and angry. And that was when I immediately understood that he was not my twin flame. And, uh, we definitely have a karmic soul bond and connection, like love him for all the purposes that he served. But essentially what happened in that moment was the most intense feeling of being alone right because in reality this will always be my reality there's always that sense of aloneness because yeah because you're, you're one you're, you know you're also multiple but you're one so that was the necessary experience i needed to accept my own fastness and aloneness but wholly visceral experience um when i recognized that he was not my twin flame all of this energy surging through me stopped and it felt like it was like like being sucked out of me like a vacuum and i started to i was like screaming and shriveling up on the floor and that's when he finally recognized like okay something is going on here and i don't remember much because i left my body but from what i know so like he picked me up um in my reality and this was like what we talked about two different realities happening at the same time in my reality, he had to kill me. And he did that by suffocating me with a crystal. He like replaced my whole chakra system with crystals. First it was, so it was like, he was having like, like open heart surgery. It was, so he replaced all my chakras with crystals and he looked me in the eye and he said, I'm now activating your third eye. And he was like, this is the Ascension. Amanda's going first. She will see you on the other side. And And I was in that moment actually so grateful that he was able to kill me. I was in full surrender. And I had this voice in my head being like, you know, like, it's okay. You just have to let go. And and in my mind, in doing so, I was saving everybody that I loved. It was like this, like, you're taking them with you kind of an experience. And so I closed my eyes and I let go. And that's when I left my body and I was out for... I want to say it like minimum, like seven minutes. I don't know. I, I was not breathing and um, you know, and he's trying to figure out what's going on. I've got everybody, I guess in the room was super traumatized. I still feel so bad about that. I don't feel bad, but Oh my gosh. um, Yeah. So, so all of a sudden I essentially come back into my body. Um, and I was not in control of my body as I was re-uploading essentially um, so, what had happened was I started speaking in tongues, or what we know as light language, um, multiple different languages, not, so did they, yeah, so they, they were different, we could call them cultures or star races, but I was, I was speaking in all these different languages, and I was moving faster than humanly possible, apparently, like, this is, so, apparently, they should try to ground me. He gave me a beat. That was like the size of a friggin' giant baseball that I ate in two seconds. just like, like, he was like, it didn't even make sense. Um, and all like, and I was just dancing, like my body just wanted to dance. That's all. And so, um, yeah, it was a very visceral experience of two what we consider free will to be like, you know, and, and what actually, we have control over, don't have control over. So essentially, yeah, I came back into my body. It was like, I got re-uploaded, but I spent a few days um, living in Golden Gate Park, uh, which is a whole nother story of how we get to that point. And essentially it was almost like the universe was putting me through some sort of school where I was like learning how to manifest instantly and and how my emotions and words when in alignment, um, and they all have to be in alignment to manifest. And there was this, this whole, I mean, I was like meeting beings that it, it was like the whole city was playing along with it and, and it kept transforming. It was wild. So essentially, um, the way that it really then like kind of culminated was, my mom and my uncle flew out to San Francisco uh, because, of course, at that point in time, two years after the game, they think if I'm like out on the streets and they can't get a hold of me, I'm doing drugs, which I understand for them. You know, um, so they flew out to San Francisco, miraculously found me like um, I was sitting outside of a Whole Foods and uh, my mom had just been to this Whole Foods. It was like, if you see this girl, she likes great kombucha. So I was sitting outside this Whole Foods and I was crying because it was the first time I was told no after instantly manifesting for days. And it was like the first time being told no as a child, I was I was told that I couldn't. And I and it, it, yeah. So I started like, you know, have like just bawling. And all of a sudden my partner at the time did this just and went like this. like oh, It's like hard to see, but like like a like a Dragon Ball Z ball and went like that to my heart. And when he did that, I fell back into my mom's arms. And so all of a sudden my mom is looking up at me and I am, like I said, in a different reality. I had no idea that other people aren't there with me. So she's like, I'm going to take you home. And we were having this whole thing about how home was Mount Shasta and I had to go to Mount Shasta to ground the energy, yada, yada. So she's like, I'm taking you home. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, this is it. Like, we're gonna go to Mount Shasta. All of a sudden I'm in the back of this car with them and I realized they're like taking me home to Wisconsin and they didn't understand what happened. And so all of a sudden that that aloneness set in again, right? Where I was like, oh my God, I I am the only one in this experience. And so in the back of the car, I did the same thing like I did when I was coming back to my I'm flopping around and I'm speaking in tongues and I can't control my body. And my mom and my uncle were about to take me to a hospital and suddenly my mom's phone stopped. Um, and it's never done this again, but it started to translate what I was saying. And it said, love, 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 listen to this song. And so my mom stopped because fortunately I, I like I said, I'm very close with my mom. So she is known no matter how crazy or whatever it is that I'm experiencing, she knows about it. So when she got that, she, she she was like, there's, there's something spiritual going. And she's like, I could feel it the whole time too. There was something else going on. So yeah, that was the, that was, it was a few day experience really. um, From what I understand and I'm learning about it. It's, it's a, you know, 15 to 25 year process of integration, right? It's a continual evolution and, and process. Like I said, I, I was, I was scared to speak for six months afterwards because I was shown how to manifest in the thoughts of the words and the motion being all in alignment. And, and so, um, yeah, I said it was a lot to integrate and I'm still slowly, Integrating definitely feel like I have I'm I'm more in a symbiotic relationship with this energy that once dragged me through life. We're partners, I understand the term co-creating now. As much as we're co-creating with one another, first you have to learn how to co-create with yourself right? And then maybe you'll get a divine mirror to co-create a life with. And then from there, we learn how to co-create with the rest of society. Um, and so, yeah, so that was, that was my process. It's a big shit.
0: one. That was incredible. Thank you so much for, <laughs> you. for telling us that. That was amazing. I mean, how intense. Now, your mom seemed to kind of be, like you said, no matter what happened. Now, you said that you've been clairvoyant, clair, clairvoyant, a, a medium of sorts, but since you were a child so mm-hmm. did she pick up and perhaps protect you or she did she realize what you that you had something else going on
1: yes so my mom has always been my protector um as much as i did not grow up in a christian home right my 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 mom did when she had me out of wedlock we were kicked out of the church so that was like the separation um you know of church but she definitely had christian beliefs And so that did create somewhat of a, like, was she, she knew I was very gifted and sensitive, but when it would manifest in darker protective ways, right. I was possessed, you know? Um, so that's, that's the role it took on prior to the Ibogaine, um, after the Ibogaine. And once I understood what was happening, I was given the ability to talk about it more in a way that, um, because I knew what was happening then, you know? And so, and, and, and it's one of those things is my mom too, being as close as we are. When I speak truth or say truth to her, she knows it. doesn't matter how crazy it is. Like when I told her that I believe that my soul is originally from a different star system and, <clears throat> and I'm not from here. She's like, that, that make, that's the truest thing I've ever, that makes perfect sense. Like, so yep, yeah, You know, she's like, yep. Does it? Yeah. Does it? Yep. No, no problems there. So um, yeah. So I think our spiritual evolution has definitely been a process together where we've, grown in that way by sharing with one another.
0: What, uh, what's your grandmother like on her, her mom on her side? Yeah.
1: <laughs> my grandma is a baby soul. I, I, I get my grandparents are the most love but loving and terrified people like, um, sweetest, 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 uh, like my grandma, especially right when I was doing drugs, never ever judgment. She's done bigger right now tell me what is ecstasy? Like, like, she's so (laughs) curious. I like, I want to microdose them so bad before they ever pass away. Cause I just want to be like, I just, do you want to live before you die? Because they're the sweetest. I really believe that they are newer souls to this system. You know, um, they're just very scared of everything, but they've got such pure hearts and, um, And they've got this really sweet, they call each other Noah and Allie from The Notebook, their little romance between my grandparents. Um, She's very self-conscious, very, very self-conscious and insecure. And and she's just this this little tater tot of a woman. And so my mom always kind of felt like she had to be the mom, which is funny because I was like, Kim, just so you know, I felt like I always had to be the mom. So it's just this interesting cycle with us.
0: Well, it is interesting because it feels like you kind of get to a certain point in your life, I guess, uh, to where, yes, they you needed them to, like, wipe your poopy butt and, like, feed you and make sure that you didn't die. You know what I mean? But at a certain totally. point, it, it does kind of seem like that they gave you such a good head shot which, or head start, rather, which is what they want to give you, a better life than they have, that you reach some understandings that – then you can teach them. And it's very interesting, this whole like process, right? So the reason I was asking uh, is because sometimes spiritual gifts like this can run in families. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't come from your mother's side, it would basically like skip a generation uh, and do that. Did your mom have, did you have anything like that? Did she have a sister or anything like that?
1: So I definitely feel like um, what's interesting is I feel like I get it from my dad's mother now. And we had a very interesting relationship growing up. Um, I was my mom's protector. Right. And she uh, being my dad being a mama's boy, she was very protective of my dad and kind of, um, you know, would butt heads with my mom. And I get very protective of my mom. And it's so funny because after my grandma Susie passed away, uh, we have a closer relationship now than we ever had when she was living. And I actually live in her house now. And um, and my grandma Arnold too. her mother always said that she talked to angels and people used to always think, yeah, she, you know, was OK, Grandma, you know, but she'd always be like, well, I'm just having tea with the angels. And um, my grandma Susie was super free spirited and traveled. I mean, when her and my grandpa retired rather than living in Florida with him, she stayed here in Wisconsin and traveled all over the country and just did her own thing. Um, so it's so crazy because, like I said, in life and exp- you can I, it's always that's always how you know the people that you butt heads with the most. There's something there. Something they're happening. And that was my relationship with my dad, too. My dad is very, very gifted in different ways that he probably doesn't even recognize. Um, yeah. And like I said, I definitely feel like my grandma and my mom side and my mom, they're, they're all very sensitive. They're all very sensitive. And I think that they block a lot of their gifts. My mom, it's been beautiful to watch her open up to hers and like, just be, yeah, just like, just, open to really like letting go of all of the stress and just that she's just so open to learning from me, which is the coolest because to be recognized as a child, as the teacher was the greatest gift my parents freaking gave me. You know, I was told by modern psychology that that was wrong. I remember, you know, going to therapist when I'm a teenager being like, oh, my parents treat me like I'm the adult that I am. Right. And they were like, no, that's not okay. And I was like, well, Okay, then that's not okay. Now I have a reason to be angry at you. You know
0: exactly. But, this just seems like more of that inversion crap. You know what I mean? Yeah. That no, you couldn't possibly get to a point in your life to where you're presented with new understandings that your parents never were, or now they're at a time to where they could receive new information like that. But you couldn't possibly deliver that to them due to your role. Ridiculous. Yes, yes. This is this a, is where yes. like exactly yep. the nonsense of the matrix just gets old with me, and I, I see it constantly. Oh, I'm oh. like, and bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. You know, you could spot yeah, it real right, quick. Right. right, right. It's Pretty wild. Yeah,
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, um, I, I think we're gonna we're gonna call it on this. I, I just have so many things that I want to talk to you about. Definitely off air. So just hang on. Um, but also, yeah. I this was perfect. Uh, so we will definitely be having you back on. We're starting to do panel stuff. And you you and I have a lot to talk about. So awesome. I can't it, wait. I will be linking, of course, your uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, your website, everything in the show notes, guys. So take a look down there and go check her out. You are a fascinating. And like I said, Thank you and I you so still have a lot of stuff. And I think that you really have a very interesting thing, that, a way that you help people, which is integrating post-psychedelic experience. And I, I think that this is a very interesting thing that's very necessary. You remind me kind of um, Blair McDaniel, how she helps people cope with uh, religious traumas. And so it's a very specific yes. thing, but it's very necessary. And I'm grateful that you're out there uh, doing this for everyone. So for all of us, right? Because so we're all the same. So, uh, Amanda Ray, we will have to catch up with you another time, but thank you so much. This is so cool.
1: Thank you so much. I like just being able to have such open conversations. It's just such a gift. Um, And to be able to feel, too, how secure I feel being able to talk about these things now. So I really appreciate you and getting the message out there because... It is what I do is a niche, you know, but I, I think it's so important for people to know that these medicines can change your life, but they need to be integrated. You there's there's work that needs to happen afterwards. Nothing is going to be a quick fix or a cure all. So
0: could not agree more. I think I'm going to go ahead and coin the term uh, Nisha Sari. Does that work?
1: Yeah, there you go. Nisha siri. Oh, my gosh, it's perfect. That's exactly what it is.
0: <laughs> you yes, can have it. Thank yeah. You. Pass that around. You That's have a, a very Nisha uh thing. Niche-sary. It's, just, oh, it's fun to say too, so phonetically. Much.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's perfect.
0: Amanda, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. We'll see you soon.
0: What a remarkable conversation from a truly remarkable young woman. My God. So all the ways to find Amanda, guys, located down in the show notes. Make sure that you go check out her website, Harmony. I am, and she does phenomenal videos on TikTok for sure. All of it linked in the show notes. Check it out. While you're down there, you may as well check out our affiliate links as well. So Food Forest Abundance, Get Your Freedom from Fear on Jim Gale's project linked down there. Unbelievably proud to be a part of that. Libsyn, if you guys are wanting to host your own podcast, you get two months free. Libsyn 2, I host through. Uh, Highly, highly recommend them. I've been using them this whole time, using them currently. Could not recommend them more, guys. So if you're also going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, go ahead and run it through the show's link. It helps the show for something you're going to do anyway, right? Ideologically. So uh, also, if you would like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That link is also located in the show notes, along with our affiliates and Amanda. So you can check that out easily. That is where we replay lives. We have the Too Cool for YouTube stuff, merchandise is over there, all the socials. It's a badass one-stop shop for everything. Uh, So it's just awesome. Make sure that you'll check that out also absolutely want to mention opus so the organization for paranormal understanding and support if you guys feel that you need something like that and you don't feel like you have anyone to talk to opus has got you covered check the link down there as well so Go out into this beautifully mysterious place, whatever the hell this thing is, guys, and y'all just pick up a piece of litter. Uh, go ahead and just be nice to everybody that you come across. Smile, uh, open doors, buy somebody a coffee or a you know meal or something like that around the line behind you. It's super small stuff that makes the most massive ripple effects in the collective for the better. Take yourself up on that opportunity every single time it presents itself in your life because it's you giving you that anyway, so you might as well take yourself up on it. So, also, while you're out there just crushing it in general energetically, go ahead and get the fuck out of the left-hand lane if you got somebody behind you wanting to pass. That is a huge pain in the ass if you just kind of park over there, just get the, just move, you know, and then they'll be by and then you can get back over there and do whatever the hell you want. Just move out of the left-hand lane. Thank you. So, I also uh, go out into this beautifully mysterious place, guys, whatever the fuck it is. And you know what I'm going to say. Say it every time. It's the most important thing to take away from all of this. Y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.